Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, presented by the University of Maryland Sports Business Society. Well, folks, welcome back to the Locker Room Podcast, Maryland Sports Business Conference 2023 edition. Uh, we have another special guest for you guys, Anthony Pecarella. Peck around here on campus, as he's known. Uh, UMD punter, just graduated. First of all, congratulations, Thank too. Uh, but thanks for coming on. You know, we're really excited to have you. Um, I'll go right into it. First question, your background in sports. What was your childhood like? Childhood sports. So I played football, basketball, baseball, soccer, and I did karate, too. Nice. Just kind of, like, got involved in anything as much as I can. Parents always said, see what you love, get involved in things, and it's fun to meet people and do things. So I was always a big sport kid, three sports, all, like, three seasons, football, then basketball in the winter, baseball, then soccer and the karate seemed to be all year round. And then when I got to high school, kind of took football more seriously because it's what I was really good at. Yeah. And ultimately ended up here. Did you play like did you punt in high school? So I played quarterback Dang. and I kicked and punted in high school because I really a quarterback is always the one I wanted to play. Uh-huh. But I kind of hit my ceiling in high school as far as playing quarterback. Mm-hmm. But kicking and punting could take me to a place like this. So I kind of focused in on it more like my junior year. But I always did it from like eighth grade on. Is that like like you said, like, how'd you get into punting and start doing that? Like, when did you really know you were good at punting, too? So the funny thing is I didn't know I was good at punting until my sophomore year at college. Huh. <laughs> and because I'll say is I was always a kicker my entire high school career. I just happened to punt because I could punt. Huh. And went to my uh, – went to a kicking camp my junior year college, junior high school. It was at Penn State. And – they asked me, uh, can you punt? I said, yeah, I go, I'm a better kicker, but I can punt. They go, well, with your body frame, we really should punt for us kind of thing. Uh, we don't really like ball kickers like that. And so I kind of just honed in on punting after that. And I wouldn't say I was, like, really good until my sophomore college. So coming into, like, Maryland, were you going to be a kicker? No, I was always a punter. No, I was always going to be a punter. And in, like, high school, how, how does, like – is it a different recruiting process for punters and stuff like that, the kickers and uh, special teams? What was the recruiting process like? I'd say it's it's similar, but the problem is, is especially with kicking and punting, is they don't just throw scholarships around. Yeah. So it's a lot more of like a they call a preferred walk-on. So it's like you're guaranteed to spot on the team, but you're not guaranteed to pay your tuition yeah. kind of thing. Huh. Uh, so I'd say that's the, the biggest difference. But as far as like taking official visits, it's all the same. And as far as like falling in love with the school from the school and a football aspect, that's all the same. It's a good transition actually into uh, our next question. Why did you choose UMD and what was that process like? Wow. Why did I choose the University of Maryland? Um, from the moment I stepped on campus, it felt like home. And the funny thing was I was recruited by the old staff before a lot of got here, the Durkin staff. And so I was always in love with the school, but my mom's message was to always pick a school if you were to get hurt and you couldn't play football anymore. We just don't want to go to school there. Huh. So I took the store, I took a tour of Smith, I took a tour of campus before I even did anything with football. I just fell in love with the community, I fell in love with the people here. And like I it just felt like home for the moment, stepped on campus and still feels like home now. Hmm. 
And how did you come into your own in, in football? Like you said, you really felt like you kind of gained that real skill and knew that you were good in a, as a sophomore. How did you kind of come into that role? Um, well, I started as a true freshman and kind of was just more of like just happy to be there kind of thing. Yeah. And so my sophomore year, I was kind of like, all right, like that's over. Like now it's just time to really just make my name and establish myself not only in Maryland and not only in the Big Ten, but in the country. And I knew I was like legit, I guess you could say, when we were playing Penn State and at Penn State. And it was the third quarter, and I put a punt at the one-yard line, came to the side, I had to go back two series later and do it again, and I put it at the one-yard line again. And at that point, I was like, oh, like, maybe, I can, maybe I can do this thing. Maybe, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm good at this thing. And from that moment on, I just kind of like carry that attitude, like I belong here. It's not like I'm happy to be here. It's more like I belong here kind of thing. And what's it like in like a day-to-day for a practice for a punter or a kicker, like on special teams? What's it like just day-to-day? So, I mean, it's it's a pretty – I mean, compared to everybody else, it's a lot easier of a day, I'd say, because a regular guy's got individual, then he's got team, then he's got teach period, then he's got team, then he's got team run, he's got seven on seven. Whereas a punter, and it kind of makes sense because of how the game goes, you only get two periods of special teams a day. Yeah. And just like you only may get two punts a day yeah. in a game. So you kind of have to approach it like a game and say, all right, I have to do everything from now until my period to get ready. So whether that's drops or stretching or just just warming up for that matter. And so I'd say just it's more of a – it's both a mental game and a physical game, just getting yourself ready to go so when that period comes, you can get, you can get your shit going. Hmm. What are some highlights of your UMD career? You talked about that Penn State game. Do you have any other highlights you want to share? Highlights, ooh. So I'll say in this stadium here, a highlight I'll always have is when we played West Virginia my junior year. And it was a big game. It was the first game after the COVID year. So the place was packed. Uh, first game of the year. A lot of didn't know how the year was going to go. So a lot of expect, high expectations of how the year was going to go. And I want to say it was the second quarter was my first punt of the year. And they uh, West Virginia dropped the punt. We recovered it. And the place just went nuts. <laughs> and I'll just never forget. I was my friend and roommate at the time, Dino Tomlin, was ran off the sideline. We kind of just jumped up in midair, just just feeding off the emotion. Because we had gone through a whole year of not seeing anybody in these stands. Like, we played yeah. – we had our parents here. Like, even in the Rutgers game my sophomore year, we had no, no one here but reporters. No family, no nobody. So it was almost like a scrimmage against Rutgers. So to have that – mentality that first game just like it was a surreal experience um other other great memories i'll say uh winning the pinstripe bowl the first yeah. bowl game experience i had was in new york city and being from new york it was surreal to win it in front of my friends and family that i was really close with yeah. uh the duke's mayo bowl is another great one that i always cherish forever um but my, i'll say my favorite memory was my freshman year when we played howard and my first career punt, it was a hot day. It was like a 100-degree feel on the turf. We won the game 79 nothing. but the first quarter, when I finally got a chance to punt, I got my first chance to punt, I'm not going to lie to you, I was scared shitless. <laughs> because they talk about your whole life, like, oh, I want to get there, I want to get there, I want to get there. But now you're in that moment. Like, everything you've worked for for your whole life, for that one moment, and you're just praying to God that he bestows upon you the power to perform in that moment. Yeah. 
and I put the ball on the five yard line. I was like, okay, like, like I'm good. Like, <laughs> like, like I'm here. I'm good. Like uh-huh. I can relax a little bit now. That 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 one moment that I'll carry with for the rest of my life. Hmm. That's amazing, man. Um, I want to move into a little bit of another side of the football side. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had a little bit of a mental health scare mm-hmm. during your career. You want to just talk about a little bit about so, that? So the first time I went home from college, so when you're a Division One football guy, you're here all summer. Yeah. You're here all year for that matter. Yeah. And the very few times you get to go home. So I, the first time I got to home, go home after the season was for Christmas. And it was Christmas Eve. And as an Italian, we do Christmas Eve pretty extravagantly. Yeah. Uh, There's like 35 family members of mine at the house. And when I was supposed to be at my happiest, I was at my worst pain because I had this voice in my head telling me I wasn't going to live to see tomorrow. And the first time I heard it, I was kind of like, oh, like maybe it's just the wine talking or something. Like maybe I'm just hearing things. And so I kind of just put it off. The night goes on and I go to bed and the voice comes back, but it's more like someone screaming at you. And when you hear something enough, you tend to believe it. And so the next morning when I woke up, went down for Christmas morning, I didn't think I was going to be there. Yeah. And it kind of almost just felt like an outer body experience. Like I felt like I was almost walking on clouds. And it wasn't until like my mom said good morning to me, but I realized like, oh, I'm still here. Like whatever was going on inside my head last night was all just in my own head. Uh-huh. So that moment I was kind of like, I need to like, like get my stuff, get my shit together and kind of figure out like what's going on. Yeah. So it took me about a year to, to share my story with the world. And when I shared it and got such a great response, and actually the funny thing was the guys in here in the building were all kind of mad at me because I waited that long not telling anybody and just because they wanted to be there for me. But it was just so surreal of the response I got that I, I was like, I have to do something. I want to do something to help somebody not go through this because – when I went through, I just didn't want to tell anybody because you don't want to, like, you don't want to have someone look at you as a lesser being because you think you're weak or something. Yeah. But what I've learned is just being able to tell someone you're not okay is the strongest thing somebody can do. So uh, a friend of mine now for the last two, three years, the first time we had spoken, we had known of each other. The first time we spoke is when she commented on my post was Charlie Baker and so we kind of talked about doing things because she had lost our friend of hers in high school to suicide. So she had a little more of a personal connection to it and a little more of a deeper story than I did. But I just knew in that moment I wanted to do something to help. So we were going to do something through the University of Maryland services, but we wanted to have our fingerprints all over it. Mm-hmm. So we decided to make Healthy Minds this Instagram that was just it's just made just to help people. It's just to show it's okay to not be okay and just give people someone to talk to. Mm. Just someone that they know like has been through that struggle that they're going through right now and it's a comfortable, safe place to kind of talk about it. So I was actually on a trip to Florida. It was the first time I was going to see my grandmother after COVID. And I said to the child, I was like, oh, why don't we just throw it up and see what happens? Mm-hmm. Threw it up and it got a great response on the first day. And we were like, we got, we got to pick it up and run with this. Yeah. And it's been in... This past January has been two years now since we've done it. It has over a thousand followers, and it's just such a it's just such a surreal thing to hear these people's stories because you don't really realize how much pain and suffering majority of people go through yeah. that they just kind of put down and they don't want to. They just think that oh, I keep putting it off, like it won't bother me. But eventually, that when it ends up like that, it's when it comes to get you the worst. So just 
being able to have healthy minds and have, having that resource for people just to know it's okay to not be okay. Absolutely, man. Mm-hmm. And and connecting that back to football, mm-hmm. I think there's a stigma around toughness and specifically it can be into mental toughness too mm-hmm. and how that is associated with football. Mm-hmm. Do you think that has ever played a part in how you've handled situations and and how have you also overcome that? How does you know healthy minds play a, a so, part of that too? What I'll say is as far as tough, I mean, football's a tough game, not for my position yeah. specifically, but football's a tough game. You beat yourself up every day mm-hmm. for the chance to play on Saturday. And so what I'll say is, is there's definitely a mental toughness that we can learn from the game of football that we can apply to life because although it's okay to not be okay, it's really not okay to do nothing about it. It's true. Because as long as as long as you're just saying, oh, it's, I'm like, oh, you can tell someone you're not okay, that's great. That's the first step. You got to do something. And I think like with the game, like football teaches us, is like my dad's always kind of paralleled football to life. And when it's fourth and one, when your back's up against the wall, it's just like in life when your back's up against the wall. And sometimes you just got to just do the dirty work and get through it. So I'd say as far as just tough playing and toughness to football, I mean, there's times when you got to just be tough and really want to be right. You just got to just get through it sometimes. And you got to just tell that voice in your head, like, I got this. Because your brain's going to tell you stop before your body tells you stop. So you kind of just got to push through. And then as far as just applying that to healthy minds, just taking that aspect, because a lot of people kind of look at mental health as like this wishy-washy thing. Like, yeah. oh, it's okay. Like, it's yeah. okay, pal. But in reality, what I kind of try to talk about is how if there's a, there's a strength to it. There's a toughness to it. Like, saying you're not okay is such a strong thing. Yeah. And like, you got to be like, you got to have, you got to have a little like sort of fortitude yeah. to kind of do that. Yeah. And so, but just just saying that isn't enough. Like you have to do something to do that. And I think that's what sports teaches. And that's why student athletes who go through mental health, I guess some like some in the worst cases you'll see across the country, just because between now with NIL and now with uh, like well, this guy's getting paid this much, or how am I not paying this much? Like as it is before NIL, you had all this stuff on top of you. Yeah. Schools, sports, relationships, family at home. Now you got NIL on top of it. It's a whole different animal as far as with the mental health side. But, but I think we can all learn from student athletes. It's just how, like, you just got to take it one day at a time. Absolutely. You just realize that, yeah, every day seems like it's the same, but you got to just give it that extra attention. Like, okay, like, I'm going to be 10 times now. I think it's really important, as you said, man, just to be able to pass that gift on to. I think that's got to be a really rewarding thing for you. Without a doubt. Um, and on that note, also, you know, for someone who's a younger student athlete or even just a student, um, what advice would you have in terms of just, you know, approaching things like this? So I'll say two things. One, find two people that you trust in your life and so that if you ever go through something like a mental health struggle like this, or even just a struggle in general, that you know and you can pick up the phone and talk to them, like they're going to answer the phone. Like they're going to give you the time of that. At least have two people. Like Rachel Barber, who's a big mentor of mine, runs an organization called changing the narrative and her message has always been find three people. So my thing is just find two and just find those two people that you can talk to so that because the best medicine I found for mental health is just being able to talk to somebody because a lot of times you get in your own head and you tell yourself that it's worse than it is, but in reality it's not. So I'd say just talking to a young student athlete is find one or two guys in the team that are your age. 
I promise you they're going through the same thing you're going through. Yeah. Just attack it in numbers. Like everything we do in this world now, a lot of a lot of it's in social media. We try to isolate ourselves behind those screens. But in reality, it's a it's a gift. Talk to people. People go through shit. Everyone goes through some form of shit in their life. It's just, it's just a matter of what it is and just got to find that person to talk to. And then there's someone in that inner circle as even as a student or as a student athlete, as a freshman, sophomore, junior, someone's going through something. Yeah. So just be having that willingness to talk to them is the best piece of advice I'd say. Absolutely. Thank you. And that's amazing stuff. Um, now we can move into our final section of the okay. podcast. We call it the Maryland Minute. Okay. We'll speed around the questions. Let's Let me know it. when you're ready. You good? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Go to College Park Restaurant. Marathon Dallas. Uh, best dining hall on campus? Uh, I don't have dining hall experience, so I'm just going to say... Uh, best food around. Yeah, I'll give a shout-out to Miss CC in the football dining hall. Oh, respect. <laughs> uh, favorite UMD athlete? All of time. all time? Uh, all time. Ooh. Uh, Antoine Brooks Jr. Nice. Uh, favorite pregame hype song? Ooh. Ooh, let's come back to that. Okay. Favorite NFL punter? Favorite NFL punter? Pat McAfee. Uh, do you have a like pregame superstition or something that you I have to do? have an egg and potato sandwich. Nice. I have to have an egg and potato sandwich and a nice to nice before every game. <laughs> Love it. All right, Anthony, thank you very yes, much sir. again. We appreciate your time. Uh, a lot of powerful messages and, and really powerful words. So thank you again um, to you. all of our listeners. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, stay updated uh, on our Instagram at SBS underscore UMD for all the latest uh, Locker Room podcast updates, news, and episodes. Uh, again, we appreciate your time, Anthony. Thank you, guys. Yes, and uh, we'll see you guys soon. Thanks,